0: Yes, hello folks. So I'm the a special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host as always, Phil Brennan, joined with my regular co-host, the fantastic Cal McFadden, immediately after extremely disappointing defeat away to young boys. Callum, we're going to react emotionally here. Some of it we justified, some of it we may want to rescind later, but um, it's hard not to be emotional after watching that. Uh, we'll of course talk about some of the other things that have happened last week and result of course this weekend against Newcastle. But uh, first of all, before we get into anything else, what's your overall thoughts on this result tonight?
1: I'm just really disappointed, Phil. Um, Individual errors that you shouldn't be seeing from two players who I think are better than the performances they showed tonight. Um, Obviously, Wan-Bissaka right back is known for being a defender who is stronger defensively than he is going forward. It's a poor touch that so leads him into a, a poor tackle. He's he's normally renowned for for being able to go to ground effectively, but it just frustrates me because he's diving in, in an area of the pitch that he doesn't need to dive in like that. It was a shocking of a challenge. It's a definite red card. There's, there's yeah. no dispute about that for me. But I'm just frustrated the way he dived in in such a in such an incident and then. Mm-hmm. With Lingard at the end, as we'll talk about The the decision making to pass a ball Straight down the middle like that Is just mad It reminds me of one from years ago With Rio Ferdinand against Portsmouth When van der Sar was in goal Where he plays a blind pass And it ends up in the back of the net On that occasion Obviously the the young boys player Puts it in in Lingard's case But it's just very naive And something that you Mm. wouldn't expect From a footballer Who is coming off the back Of a really good international break With England And getting a goal at the weekend Do you think his confidence would be sky high? Yeah. But unfortunately, I just worry that that could really hit, make his confidence deteriorate. And unfortunately for us tonight, it's put us on the end of a 2nd in result, which you just hope and pray doesn't lead to a similar situation. But the Bacic here result caused us because that game tonight, United just should not be losing that game to young boys, even with 10 men, as I'm sure we'll come to.
0: Yeah, look, um, with the Bacic here game, you know, I, I, I understand the parallels in terms of the final result, but I don't think there's a lot of parallels in terms of the way United lost the game. I think, uh, you know, I was talking to Ollie last week and uh, you knew I'd named that right bad in the podcast. What, it take me two and a half minutes? But yeah. what we were talking about the Champions League and we were talking about Leipzig and then we were talking about the PSG game uh, and we were talking about... Look, you can lose those games, right? They're they're disappointing to lose, but you can lose those games. But the Basik here game really was the unforgivable one. And he said to me that that was his last moment as a Manchester United manager. Um, And there was a lot of choice words said about that, really for the manner in which the goalie gave away. Tonight was different. There was a massive shift once that red card happens. If I'm Solskjaer, I am bollocking Aaron wan Now, that one decision... Contributed to a number of different decisions. He contributed to Van de Beek getting hooked, which I thought was unfair. But if I'm going to criticise Oli, and look, I do this as a layman, as a fan. I, I, I look at it and I go, you know, when Juan Busek is getting sent off, to me, it was entirely predictable what substitutions he would make. I said to myself, it'll either be Sancho or Van de Beek for two reasons. One, I think out of who was out there, Sancho was having the poorest game. And two, I think between San so so you've got Sancho and after Sancho, who's the guy he trusts the least in that team, Van de Beek, Right? So to me there were relatively predictable changes that he was gonna make. Um you could make also make an argument that Solskjaer was really trying the last second half to get away from get away from uh, that game of the draw. Was his card ice, Forgive me for using that word. You know, I'm a big Solskjaer fan, so, you know, I'm sure I'll get pelvis from the big from the Solskjaer in people and I'm nice Solskjaer out because I'm a flip-flapper. No, I'm just, you know, when I'm passing an evaluation on someone, it's not always going to be positive. It's not always going to be negative. That's what objective evaluation does. You know, so you have to criticise where criticism is due, in my opinion. Maybe he pays a price for sitting back Yes, I know it's ten men. I know it's the first game. I know you think to yourself, "Look, just get a point here, go home. Point's not a terrible result away from home." But Besikci, our our young boys' mate, is not PSG. When you get when you get Fred sent off against PSG, you know, okay, you know, I can understand you losing that game. When you get A player sent off, you know, and how many times have we seen this Champions League? We need to get a player sent off and completely changes the game. You got a player sent off against one of the top teams? Okay, but this young boys is not a top team. You know, it still should be able to manage a game going down to 10 men, right, against young boys away from home.
1: They absolutely should. And uh, uh, the team that comes to mind when there's a red card like that tonight, I don't know why I instinctively think of them, but I just think of a team like Bayern Munich. And I just imagine if they had a red card against young boys in a similar situation, it's the sort of game you would anticipate Bayern Munich going on to win 2-0 and adding Mm -hmm. another goal to their tally. Whereas, as you say, with United tonight, I think the red card has potentially spooked Oli. I'm not saying that he's someone who will instinctively act off of emotion in every single game, because there's far more to his uh, coaching acumen than that, as we've seen in some of the bigger games during his tenure. But I think potentially tonight even with Ronaldo on the pitch um, and and, and others I think he's thought there's a red card this could be very costly if we lose this game I'll get out with at least a point and I'll take that and he might argue um, obviously I've not heard him speak post-match he might argue that that plan essentially would have came off if it wasn't for an extraordinary individual error at the very end and you may say that's a, a fair summary. You, you might be frustrated and say, well, it's still no excuse. And, and, and I can understand both. It's the sort of game that, as I say, it frustrates you as a fan. And I think even if, you're, even if you're a neutral, you're probably watching that error at the end thinking, how on earth can you get to this stage of the game and make such a, a glaring error that if it happened on a Sunday morning you wouldn't be shouting and bawling at a kid because obviously you shouldn't do that at any time, really. But you you would at least, after the game, explain why you do not play a ball blindly back to your goalkeeper straight through the middle of mm-hmm. your own box. But unfortunately, that's what's happened. And I think you're right. Aaron Wan-Bissaka should be at the brunt of the criticism from the manager internally because that was just inexcusable. And Wan-Bissaka is a player that... I think needs greater competition. We've spoken about this on the show mm-hmm. numerous the times. There was talk of trippier coming in. I don't think I think although Dallo has improved and clearly they believe he can be a part of the squad this year, hence why they've kept him. Um was that down to just not getting trippier? I don't quite know, but he definitely needs competition because for me he's one of the few players that mm-hmm. still in this team, Phil, that gets a start at right back because you would think, whenever, even when everyone's fit, he's probably the only real viable option to play a consistent run of games, in my opinion. And yeah. fortunately, I feel that like that's an area United in the next six to 12 months need to address because when you see players get comfortable in a position, it mm-hmm. can hinder their performances. And we've seen that at centre-half for a number of years with other players. A bit of competition comes in, yeah. players up their game, and that's what Wan-Bissaka badly needs. And I think tonight shows that because it was naive.
0: Well, first of all, if you look at his reaction, his reaction was to someone who expected to be sent off, which also bothered me in the sense that, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, I get the the you know perform in the theater of some players throwing their arms in the air and all this nonsense, the Neymar stuff, you know, the 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 power clutching, you know, be a bit much. But to me, it was sort of a reluctant acceptance. Yeah, you know, it was bad. There, went over the top, hurt the guy, sent off. Like, that should bother you a wee bit more to me. To me, it should be. More again, you know, I'm not expecting players to be actors, but to me, uh, I don't know, maybe it's naive, maybe 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 I'm, I'm being unrealistic, but I felt that there was just too much of an acceptance on Wambasaka's part that I've just been sent off. For, I'm not concerned about the consequences to my team. Where what I will criticize, you know, it is like you just said, right? This is this is the games that source critics feast on, right? Where, you really should be showing more nice away from home against young boys, right? No disrespect here. I'm not, you know, being some English central eccentric, you know a uh, myopic fan that thinks everywhere else is a farmer's league look at you know it was notorious to be a notoriously difficult teams you know Basel you know was a difficult team to win against our you know times, and certainly you know there's it's never been a particularly easy place to go and win that being said you know it should be going to numbers and they have to have a bit more surely when you're in practice and training through the week when you're in training through the week and you're and, and you're preparing for all eventualities one of the most obvious uh, variable is what if we get a player sent off? Then what? And you have to ask that question about every player on the pitch. Okay, what do we do if? What do we do if? What do we do if? And again, to me, like I said, the substitutions felt predictable to me in the sense that they almost felt as a result of how they were playing rather than any pre-prep plan. Right? I don't have a problem actually with the substitutions, but I just feel that they were. I don't. I don't know if they were a the result of. What you needed planned it just in case that happened. going to be fair, Calm is impeccably well behaved. You know, he's not a kid, he's not a kid with um you know a a indisciplined, you know, performances, you know, he doesn't get sent off, you can rely on him. This was uncharacteristic for him, most disappointing. But I just feel look, you've just bought Ronaldo Ferran, um, Sancho on top of everyone else, surely you have to have enough about you to deal with going down to 10 men against young boys?
1: You absolutely have to. And I I mentioned Bayern Munich earlier as a team that you would just imagine going on to score another goal. And United, for me, were were too conservative in the sense that Ronaldo obviously went through and goes down, but there there weren't enough chances created over the piece for me in in the game. And, And that frustrates me with the attacking talent that's that's at all his disposal. Um, And obviously that's the individual performances as well as the manager. And and, and we have spoken about this, Phil, on numerous occasions that this is the sort of game that people, as you say, will say, oh, the manager's lost that game, the manager. There has to be responsibility taken from the players in the park as well. I do agree with you in the sense that if there is a red card, you would expect a a ready-made plan or some sort of, even if it's not able to be carried out to the full because of maybe individuals that you would want playing in the game are missing. There has there had to be a greater understanding of what to do. It seemed at times as if the players were sort of expected to work out on their own what they were going to do with 10 men. And I think that's something that hopefully if it's if that is the case, it will be an eye-opener for Ollie and the staff because we've seen numerous teams over the years be able to adapt to 10 men and, and play and As you say, if it's against a a PSG, if it's against a a Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, then you can understand sitting deep and Mm -hmm. and thinking, get out of here with a point and we will be absolutely delighted. But young boys as a team, and again, I'm not saying this from a a Premier League-centric perspective, you would expect, if you think of the other English clubs or the other major European clubs, as I've said in this competition, they would be expecting to test the goalkeeper three, four, five times before the end of the game, even with 10 Mm -hmm. men. United simply didn't do that, so for all of Lingard's mistake at the very end costing United, I just feel that not enough chances were created, which deeply frustrates me, given the attacking quality on the pitch. In terms of Van de Beek, I thought he was playing quite well, I understand why he was substituted, I do, I just feel for him in the sense that you just feel that he's one of those players at the moment that is completely unlucky when it comes to catching a break. You thought tonight could have been that break. United go 1-0 up. He's playing quite well. You think they might go on and add a second or third and he'll really get into his stride. And unfortunately, given the circumstances, he has to come off. So I hope it doesn't dent his confidence too much. I think it's more due to circumstance than performance tonight for Van der Beek coming off, in my opinion. And uh, I hope that he can get another opportunity soon because I thought he, he, played, he played well. There'll be bigger tests to come, you would think, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those situations where... He can't catch a break at the moment. Hopefully, it doesn't make yeah. his confidence too much. And same goes with Lingard. It's all about man management now. All he's shown over the PC is a good man manager. And I think that's going to be tested uh, with these two players in particular for the next couple of weeks, because their, their heads will be down after that, particularly, potentially yeah. even Sancho as well.
0: Well, and so here's the thing. like Imagine, you know, it didn't say I no, though. So, um, so you, 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 there's a couple of ways of looking at this. You, never have, you can argue that never played well once this season against Leeds. And had they have drawn tonight, they would still be unbeaten this season. They're still, you know, they still haven't found their form. They still haven't found their rhythm. That will come. I don't think the international break particularly helped United. You know, um, I think they preferred not to have that. But, or you can be concerned about the fact that here we are. You know, they still haven't played well. Um, and uh, you know, when when's that form going to come in? You know, that they're not going to keep getting away with not playing well. They're not going to keep getting away with conceding goals and coming back and trying to win it. You saw it tonight, you know, conceding that goal late. And when you look at someone like Van der Beek, you know, so much about football is confidence, Callum, right? <clears throat> so for people who have never played the game, just let me say a couple of things. So to get to play for a club like Manchester United or professional football at all, you have to realize how good you have to be. These people are exceptional talents. And you don't get there by accident. You don't fake being a good player. all right? Because to make it to that level, there's so many different layers of levels you have to go through that weed out your ability. And and water offends its level? You don't get to a club like Manchester United unless you have unbelievable ability. But what you can't test is mentality. How do you deal with the expectation? How do you deal with the intense scrutiny, how do you deal with living your life perfect as a monk, you know, you Manchester United players will make headlines for walking a dog, right, And that you know, Paul Pog was walking the do- Paul Pog was article about him walking a dog was downloaded more times than Man City, signing of, of uh, David Silva, right, it, it's just outrageous, and so that, that's a bigger story so, what I want to say then to finish this up, is you need to have three types of players right, <clears throat> And this is a true, pretty much all top clubs. So there's tier A, tier B and tier C. So tier C, you have your nine to fivers, right? They're the guys that come in that are squad players. They're not going to complain if they don't get to play every week. You know, they're okay being rotated. They're okay with playing well and then being dropped the following week. They're okay with just sitting on the bench and, you know, consistently making up the squad of every manager that comes in. And they're your guys that um, you need those, right? Because they're not going to complain. Because not everybody in a, in a 22-month squad can have the expectation that they're going to start every week. It's just not possible. So there's a tier A. Then there's the tier B players, right? Tier B players are your Victor Lindelofs, your Donny van der Beek's, those players. There's a Victor Lindelof at every top club in Europe, right? There's a Donny van der Beek at every top club in Europe. Those are the types of players that if you get enough notice and somebody wants to buy them, you can sell them without losing any sleep because you'll be able to replace them, no problems. Then there's your tier A players, which are Ronaldo and what have you, right? Danny Van de Beek needs to... to say Danny Van de Beek is a tier B player for Manchester United. Right now, he does not solve any problems that United would be overly concerned about if they lost him, right? This is what concerns me about him is that if you're not the answer, when... I mean, you take a look at the weekend. The weekend, to me, perfectly summed it up. Once United went 3-1 up, then he got the call. Once Solskjaer felt that game was out of sight and there was no danger of losing it, then he got brought on. Not a 2-1, not a one each. You know, and you're looking at the other games. He scored... He started four Premier League games last season. Sancho was... Well, he started already five, right? So Sancho's going to get more time to find his feet. Like United, than what Van de Beek is. The fact that that's the case tells me there's something really concerning about Van der Beek that United don't trust. I, I've heard a number of different things. We've talked about this before. Some of the possession, or some of the fact that he doesn't hold shape. One of the things that was obvious to me, Callum, is his physicality. Is he bulked up over the summer? If you looked at United against Wolves, where Fred was consistently roast, roasted against the damage, I do wonder if United have said to Van der Beek. You need to get bigger physically to be able to deal with the physical demands of the Premier
1: League. I, I agree, and, and I think that's something that, that you can see in him already. Obviously, he might still have another another way to go for United to be to be fully happy. But given what you've said there about him being a Tier B footballer, he, unfortunately for him, whenever he gets half an hour, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and we've spoken about this again a few times, he has to make it count. Some players can thrive off of that pressure. Some players will think, he's given me half an hour. We might be two or three one up. I'm going to come on and maybe get a couple of assists or get a couple of goals and really try and force my way into an attacking position. Or I'm going to come on, play some nice passes and break up possession and show the manager that I can play in a more defensive position. Unfortunately for him at the moment, as you've said, Phil, he's in a situation where it looks as if he can't be trusted. As you say, one of the first players to come off tonight, even though I thought he was playing okay, and, and as you see, he's coming on at 3-1 and maybe doesn't have the the that driving determination, the motivation, as I've said, to maybe go and make it five, make it six. And that is good. That is a test for any player. It's a test for him. And again, we spoke about it last week's show. If he can't force his way into United's plans on a more consistent basis, whether that's longer appearances from the bench or more starts than he made last season, then a loan in January for me seems inevitable. I would like to see that being within the Premier League to give him a chance to adapt to that level it might need to come at a a different club so that when he can come back to United in a stronger position the only worry I have is if he goes to another club in the Premier League um, and and doesn't have a positive experience then you would think that's his United career gone so it's it's going to be a big few months for him before January and, and certainly after January because there's no way he'll sit on the bench I think for the full season he summed it up perfectly by saying that if United let him go I don't think Ollie or even a lot of fans would lose too much sleep. I think he, is a player, you think could be easily replaced, and it's his job to prove Ollie, the fans, and his fellow teammates. Otherwise, and by January, by by the end of this season, be looking at him and saying he's a he's a he might not be a key member of our starting eleven, but he's a key member of our squad because the teams that win the biggest trophies don't just have a great starting eleven; they have options from the bench. He has to be one of them that you say he's a game changer, whether it's in an attacking sense or it's in a more defensive sense. The attacking sense would appear to be more realistic, judging the facts that we have um, from his time at Ajax. But if, if he is to get more regular game time, you could argue he has to adapt in a defensive capacity because that's probably the most realistic place he's going to get for United at the moment. Whether he can do that, time will tell. At the moment, you suggest no, but there is still time on his side, and he has to make it
0: count. Well, Tom, I was asking Sulsker about whether um he could play in that position, right, uh, as a number six, and what we all understand to be a number six. And Sulsker was adamant that he could. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I look at United's midfield, it's far from perfect. So there's an answer. You know, if you're Van der Beek or anyone else, and I'm sure Sulsker is saying the same to himself, going, you know if you show me that you can take that number six role and you don't have to be a physical beast, you only really need to look at Jorginho to know that, right? To me, Van der Beek is similar to Jorginho in physical style, right? In terms of his presence appearance. So if you can solve that problem for me, I don't need to go out in January of the summer to buy players. That to me is a tremendous carrot for Van der Beek. But when you're not playing at all, how do you get the confidence to be able to step in and be that player when... You're getting ten minutes against Newcastle when you're getting, you know, the first half against against um, young boys. And the first sign of a problem, you're the first one getting hooked. No matter what, right? That to me, you know, I, I, I understand. Schoolscare is not running. You know, this is not you know a kids' youth program where everyone gets a game, everyone gets a trophy. I understand that a club like Manchester United, you have to take your chance when it comes. It's not always perfect. You know, it's not always going to be a central situation, but it is very, very difficult for any footballer to build momentum and to grow into a team. Um, when you are, especially in a in a, in a central position, Calum, because central positions, they're 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 like you, you. have to play as a unit. You have to play as a team, right? So you can get away with bad left backs. You can get away with bad right backs. If if you've but but you can't get away with two bad center backs that don't play as a unit because you're going to get killed. That's where the game is won and lost. When you're a coach at any level, especially youth level, one of the first things you teach players is don't play, you know, the ball across your own box. Square balls are always the dangerous most dangerous paths. You teach young kids play percentages, look at look for the ball out wide. Most kids don't have the technique and all that to pull that, that say that, that ball off, but it's really, really dangerous. So you can't carry players in the middle of the park. Look at Troy Deeney's comments a couple of weeks ago about Fred. Suscrito will have saw those about knowing that Fred, if you play the ball under his feet and he's got his back to you, he always needs a second touch. That's obvious to anyone watching him. Of course, that means teams are picking up on that as well. There's a real technical problem, in them, and that is a key season. So to me, I think um, if Van der Beek cannot get himself in ahead of Fred, because, you know, let's be honest, Fred was so bad that when he got half decent, we were raving about him. But the truth is, is Fred's best good enough to win, to, to, good enough to be part of a, a championship winning team? To me, I still think even Fred's best,
1: United are short. I, I would agree with that. I also think the way I try and look at a player like Fred as well is trying to compare or think where would he fit in with other teams in the league or other teams around Europe. If Manchester United put Fred on the market tomorrow, I'm not saying there wouldn't be any takers. I think there would obviously be, be be a few. But would those takers be the truly elite clubs? Would those, would the clubs that are going to win the biggest trophies in football be looking, going, "Wow, Fred's available from Manchester United. We need to go and get him." I, I, I just don't think they would, and, and I think that's that's something that is a concern, considering how key that holding midfield position is. It's not the sort of position that you can carry a a passenger or someone, as you've said, who likes to take too many touches and is found out by the opposition. It's the same at centre-back. It's even the same at centre-forward. Those are positions where you need a player to be able to play at times in a real concise manner, especially in that holding midfield role. You, they, they need to be able to start attacks and they need to be able to break up play. It's all right being able to, to break up play, but if your main deficiency is on the ball, how often are you going to win the ball back and then give it away again and defeat the purpose? And that's something that United... Simply have to address Fred for me could be a good squad player But to rely on him every week Isn't something that it, the Evidence is there, it's not something that's going mm-hmm. to take United Forward to challenge for the major honours I really like Scott McTominay He's a fellow Scott But it doesn't again give me the bias that I think mm-hmm. Him playing every single week for United Is going to take them to that next level Of course he's potential and he's still a young player who has got another couple of years of development uh, in him before it. You could say he's approaching his real peak performance, so he could be an answer. But I think if United want to seriously be challenging for the Champions League and the Premier League, then that position has to be addressed at some stage. January is yeah. notoriously difficult. I know Fernandes came in January, but really that should have been done in the summer, as we all know. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be difficult to address in January. So really... He's going to hope McTominay is fit and able to, to stay fit for the rest of the season because I think he's the best of the three realistic options of Fred Matic and himself in there. As you've said, van de Beek, can he adapt? That's a question, Mark, that's going to rumble on and I don't think there's going to be an immediate answer. So it's a situation where United are hoping to, I don't want to say get by because I think McTominay and Fred, as I say, are are, are decent enough players. I just don't think they're the player, that, the player in that position that's going to take United to, to, to another level and that's something that is a concern, particularly if both of them are injured because, again, I really like Matic. I think he's the great career in the game but it, I think it is fair to say that his best days are behind him physically and just as a footballer all round mm. and, and and I think, it's, again, like Juan Mata, it's good to have players like that, good senior pros in a squad to set examples to the young players in the training ground but, again, if you were going into an away game at the Allianz Serena against Bayern or you were you were going to Anfield in the Champions League knockout tie or a, a league decider type game, would you want Matic starting in that game? The answer would be no.
0: Well, and in, in see, again, Matic looks slow to me at the weekend against Newcastle, right? He's getting turned very, very easily. Um, definitely a player on his way out. And when you get to that stage of your career where you're 32, 33, see starting once a month, like Juan Matic is, It's impossible, mate. It's absolutely impossible. Uh, And you will decline fast. Um, And again, you know, see if you're a young player at Manchester United, right? And this is where it gets difficult, right, if you're a young player. So when you are coming through at United, the club's going to ask one question when related to you. Um, Do you have the potential to be a key Manchester United player, right? Not a Manchester United squad player, not a Manchester United, you know, fringe player, do you have the potential to be a key player for Manchester United? Because if, if, if the answer to that is no, you're you're in much more danger of being released than someone like a Phil Jones, right? Because, like, I just gave you the three tiers of United players, tier A, B and C... So, so, so the tier C players—they survive because they've been there under multiple managers, because they don't rock a ball, because the, to me they're the Brandon Williams type players, they're the, you know, the the the, the type players that will happily, you know, play a, a fringe role. But young players are judged harshly and, and to a much higher standard than that, because you know most most of those players are capable of going being squad player anywhere, right? So in some sense, some players aren't making it United because the standard is, is even higher for young players coming through. And unfortunately, Calm, when you get those fringe players, the likes of Dalwan Everhing, that don't push themselves, it's very hard to expect them to push the likes of wan and other players into United um, and become first-team players. You look at someone like Dan, uh, Dan James, right? You had to sell Dan James because Don James is a tier B player, like I said. Right? The guy that you know would sell was that any fear of any consequence of well, what are we gonna lose if we lose him that much? He's easy to replace, right? Um, <clears throat> and I commend Dan James for going, for leaving, right? But one of the problems for United, and you, you could criticize so heavily for not selling players, is they've so when you want to sell you, it's because you failed as a player, right? It's because you didn't either live up to your potential as a young signing, right? Or, you're a young player, you haven't reached the levels that they had hoped and they want to sell you. It's very hard to get big money from those players, right? It's very hard to go to another club and say, here, give us 40-50 million, right? Now, there's also the other side of this that we see with Jesse Lingard, who gambled, who didn't want to go back to West Ham. All of Jesse Lingard's work last season is already forgotten, right? And we, how many times have we said this, that if he stayed at United and had a couple of bad games, everything that happened before will be forgotten, right? Because scrutiny and criticism, you it's so great, so big. Now, Jesse Lingard is the player that's reminded that he's a squad failure at Manchester United, right? So, this is what I'm saying, mate. Just to, 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 to I've labored this point horrendously, but the point that I'm making is, um, for for you needed to be criticized that we're selling players it's hard to sell players that nobody wants um the young players that are coming through are held to a higher standard and some of the problems is those players that exist in that tier C they survive way too long right and I finally see social doing something about that where those players are paying a price there's no longer just passengers and I see you know social getting those players out but more has to be done you because if you occupy a shirt in that 22, you have to be answering one or two questions. You have to be either you're good enough or you have the potential to be good enough so you're putting pressure on the players in that team. And I just think there's too many marriages, there's too many matters, there's too many lingards that that exist but aren't really putting any pressure
1: on the players that are in the first eleven. Absolutely, because there's nothing worse as a fan. And I imagine if we feel it as fans, then it's only natural that players feel it as well. They, they won't ever say it publicly, but... Of
0: course.
1: For instance, tonight, and it's an unfair comparison, and I'm not comparing the two players like for light, but when Ronaldo's coming off and he's replaced by Jesse Lingard, for me, if you're a player for young boys, even though Ronaldo is 36 and he will be tiring, and can he play three or four games in a week? Those debates will rage on and on and on, I'm sure, throughout the season. When he goes off and Jesse Lingard comes on, the young boys' players will be going, whew, that's Ronaldo off. Lingard might, as I say, at that stage of the game It's fresher, maybe have more pace than Ronaldo At that stage, but they'll be relieved, he's off And some of and the players that are on the park Will be thinking well, oh, He's going off now, Lingard's coming on Are we, are we seriously going to have That same goal threat? Are we seriously going to, to Go through and goal and test the, the goalkeeper? And, and as I say, fans feel that, players feel that As well, and that's something that United need To get out of now, of course, there's no Like-for-like like replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo I'm not saying that for any means but United, over the course of the last few years, as we've talked about in different games, when you bring on a matter, again, it's a great career, but when you're on a player where the level drops or the style has to change mm-hmm. because they're completely different to, to the younger players that are available, it's something that can affect the team as a whole in a negative manner. And when that atmosphere creeps in, there's nothing worse. And as I say, I imagine it's the same for the players in the park because if you've got a player uh, like Mason Greenwood and he comes off for Mata, you can't play those balls in behind because Mata's not going to do that. He's going to come to feet quite a lot. And it just comp- it actually makes, it gives mm-hmm. you a- another problem on the park rather than the solution. And for me, substitutions should be solutions. They shouldn't be yeah. um, there for necessity because if the, if, if someone's only becoming on because you've got three available subs and they're not of the sufficient standard, as I say, it creates a problem rather than the solution and you need more solutions Um, than problems to to win the big trophies and to to win games like tonight, even with 10 men, you should win. You know,
0: another thing that sort of flown under radar tonight was the exclusion once again of Andy Martial, who only got a couple of minutes towards the end. Here's a young guy, in my opinion, that's facing big questions about his career. And I like what Solskjaer is doing because if anyone should feel Affronted or offended, no, well, not offended or formal, but certainly concerned about Ronaldo, it should be him. Because, in my opinion, I think Sosker saw after that Southampton game that he has a problem and that he's had a pre season, he's had a rest, he's playing for France, but it's just not happening for him at United. And it's very difficult with Martial because you look at his highlights, rules, and it's hard not to be seduced by him because you see this. YouTube player that has so much ability, so much variety and it's easy to watch a five minute video of Martial and go what would you know to be thinking selling a guy like this, right but the Manchester United and Anthony Martial came to and the Manchester United that we are today are very different football clubs uh, with different standards different options, you need to only look at some of those old team sheets and to, to shudder and go oh my god now Anthony Martial is in a position where the football club were saying to him the best Anthony Martial has a place here right see to, to, to use my sorry labor tier system when Martial's on his best Martial's a A player right because those are the players that win you football games those are the players that uh greatly reduce the probability you're, you're you're going to lose or draw games. Those are the players that when you are they're playing terrible, show up 90th minute and score two goals in know where Those are the players you can't replace. Those are the players Andy Marshall was in that bracket for a while. But and has the ability to be in that bracket. But Andy Marshall does not look like a footballer that wants to be in that bracket. And maybe I'm wrong, but Imagine we're in a situation where we don't have a Ronaldo right now. United easily could have dropped points at the weekend. And certainly there wouldn't be the optimism that there is now. And and um, I don't know, what would United's admin have done for the last two weeks as well?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The, 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 Everly, the Everly tweets have been, been i out. God's
0: Even then, they'd be sick of Ronaldo. I'm like, come on, lads. There has not been more than that. Come
1: on. <laughs> uh, the thing with Martial it's, 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 You think of sink or swim And I think with Martial He either swims in the sense that Ronaldo's here, Cavani's here And he's a younger player who should be approaching His peak years, he should be thinking to himself If I'm not going to displace Ronaldo Because that's a tough task for any striker in the world I want to force my way into the plan So that I can play with him I can forge up a partnership and I can be remembered when I leave this club has been a player who's contributed positively to get the mm-hmm. club back to where it belongs. However, the the problem I have, and, and, and I agree with you, when I watch Martial, and he's always a guy who's very cold in terms of body language, even when he's played at his best, in my opinion. So maybe it's harder to read him, but I, you just can't help but look at him when he's on the park and think, he just looks at the sort of player that is happy to succumb to Whatever performance he produces on the day, he, he, he never looks like a player who's got that innate drive to, to grab himself from the, from the scruff of the neck and, 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 and up his game and go to a different gear, even if it's a different gear of trying rather than doing. It seems to be, and we've spoken about this again numerous times, the first 15-20 minutes of the game defines him. And the problem I have with him is I just feel that the longer he is on the bench, and he has to be on the bench given his performances and, and the options that are there, I, just think he, I suspect, and this, again, this is only my opinion, I suspect he's got the sort of personality that would succumb to the situation he's in at United rather than proactively do something about it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. I would love nothing more for him to prove me wrong because I don't have a personal agenda against Martial. As you say, the highlight reel there for all to see. But there needs to be consistency because at the end of the day, and if there's no consistency, you just become a player that people talk about as, as one's having potential, and I always think potential is the most dangerous one in football it can buy you a lot of time and sometimes you maybe don't deserve it, it can keep a lot of pressure on you as well and it's important that he delivers because if he doesn't deliver this season he, as we've talked about before, he has to move on, but I, and the issue is if he doesn't perform, he's not going to be that tier B player that other teams are going, wow, he's on the market 50 million, 40 million He's the sort of player you can imagine having to go on a a loan with an option to buy or an obligation to buy that's below his asking price. And that's the last thing United need for a player who undoubtedly has talent and could and should contribute to the team. Well, Aaron, to be honest, mate, he looks like some... He
0: he, he actually sort of reminds me of myself whenever it's about half ten on Christmas Eve and the wife says the kids' toys were unassembled. (laughs) And uh, nothing for Shakespeare in the heart of a of a father than unassembled. But um, <clears throat> um, certainly me anyway. Um, but uh, <laughs> you need to play West Ham this weekend away. Very, very, very difficult game. And then of course the West Ham again in the League Cup. Um, a game that if you need to go there and don't win, lose it. Draw is not a, not a terrible result in my opinion but if they go there and they lose Solskjaer is not going to be in where the, the criticism is going to be a crescendo but Solskjaer is going to be in a difficult situation because the nails are going to come out for him and with Ronaldo even if Ronaldo scores goals but you need lose that transfer is going to be constantly under scrutiny and not a game if he ever were to lose after losing the young boys and lose away to West Ham. Look, there's no disgrace in losing to West Ham at all, right? They're a very, very good team, you know? But given the pressure he's under, this is not a game he can go lose. And one of the problems is, Calm, when you're playing a certain way, when you're making unpopular decisions, you can do that as long as you're winning. But if you're making unpopular decisions and you're losing, those decisions become under scrutiny even more. Now, one of the things that took place over the last week or so was the fact that Richard Arnold would probably take over um, or, uh, Ed Edwards' job. Now, these guys, Richard Arnold didn't hire Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Now, of course, he's a good friend of Edward Woodward's. But... They have all their own egos. And I'm sure Richard Arnold will have someone in mind if Solskjaer didn't work out that he would like to be responsible. Because here's the thing, Matt, right? If Solskjaer goes on and becomes this great manager, Woodward gets the credit for it, right? Not Richard Arnold. Don't think that that ego doesn't play a role when it comes to their own people, when it comes to... Because when David Moyes got sacked after, what, eight months? David Moyes got sacked partly because you know underestimated or overestimated how good their team was, but also um, David Moyes wasn't Edward Wood's pick, so it's very easy to sack someone you didn't hire. You know, don't tell me that if someone else was in charge of Solskjaer the year they bought Fernandez right before that, he wouldn't have been sacked. He would have been sacked. And naturally, Edward Wood, I'm I'm guessing I don't know probably said to himself, I don't want to sack him, haven't just sacked Mourinho, having just sacked Van Haland, taking a lot of stick for it. Um he wouldn't be human if he didn't think that. I, I would have thought that in his position. We all would have. Right? So <clears throat> and in this in in one sense it worked out. You know, because I feel that Solskjaer's feelings that season he was partly let down by the recruitment. I think that's something that um hasn't happened since, to be fair. But uh you know you could argue he should have got midfielder this season. Anyway, point is Sulskr's going to be and it's position where he's not going to have that protection and he cannot, I think as much as I love him, I don't think he could argue if, if he needed to start falling off the pace that it, it costs him his job. I
1: agree. I think that's just a natural situation at the moment I don't think United will be knee-jerk and you know no. the way the way the social media landscape works that if you lost to West Ham people would be saying oh you should be gone by Tuesday Wednesday that won't happen but if you were to follow that West Ham game up if it was a defeat with another couple of draws and the teams around you your Liverpool mm-hmm. City's and Chelsea's pull clear you're absolutely right that United would be considering other options and to be honest, Phil, that, that's the way it should be. Any top club yeah. that wants to challenge for trophies, especially after three years of management. He knows, and he, to be fair, he has he has talked about it. He has to challenge for trophies. He has to challenge for league titles. He's not naive enough not to know that. Um, and I've, I don't doubt the drive that he's got, but as you say, if the results don't come, then at a club like Manchester United, unfortunately, at some stage, you will pay the price with your job. I, I, I think he will um, produce a, a series of results in the next few weeks that will silence a lot of the people who will come out from the woodwork tonight and say, oh, this this proves that if United had another coach in charge, they wouldn't have lost that game. I mean, it's a very mm. easy hypothetical question to pose. You can look back at finals throughout history and say, if that team had a different manager, they would have won that Champions League final. If that team had a different manager, they definitely would have stayed up. We, we just never know in football. Circumstances are different. Yeah. Um, You look at Sam Allardyce with the relegation situation. Oh, he always keeps teams up and then he takes a team down eventually because circumstances dictate what happens in football. He's got a good team at his disposal. He's got a team that has the ability to challenge and it's important that he gets them to challenge. Whether he goes on to win a League of the Champions League this year, I'll be honest, I don't think he will, but I certainly think he'll he'll get United closer than they have been. And as I've said, he simply has to and he will pay with his job. And I'm not just saying that because it's Solskjaer. That would be the same for any manager. Mm-hmm. If United had a Thomas Tuchel in charge or a Jurgen Klopp or a Pe- if Pep Guardiola in charge of City or-, or Klopp in charge of Liverpool or Tuchel, if they went um, three or four, well, especially Tuchel, if he goes two years without winning a trophy or challenging for a trophy, Chelsea aren't thinking about it. He's gone. That's top-level football yeah. management. You see it at Bayern, you see it at Barcelona, you see it at Real Madrid. United are in that echelon of club and naturally whoever is in post is going to be judged with more scrutiny than most other managers across the globe. And and he'll know that, and I'm sure that'll be part of his motivation because he will want to prove himself as a good coach. He will want to prove himself as a a manager who brought real success back to Manchester United. He's always going to be a legend as a player, always be remembered for 99, but he can create an even greater legacy and that's something that I'm sure motivates him because everyone, even the guys as nice as Oli, everyone has ego. He loves the club and he will mm-hmm. want to make sure he's a success. We all have that ego in life, and if people yeah. don't think that people do, then they're lying. So uh, he he will know the magnitude of this, and I'm sure he'll be drilling that home to the players.
0: I um, mean, yeah, listen, managers like goalkeepers. They're lonely jobs. You if you don't have you know any job there is an individual like. Tennis or boxer or whatever, where you're solely reliant on yourself and your performance more than anything. That's ha- that's going to be the biggest variable on whether you win or lose. Is going to be how you how you execute. Then self belief is absolutely crucial. You know, so you get you see Mourinho. Mourinho is quite um, you, know, uh, you know he is quite uh, you know, extroverted with his personality. And I look at someone like him and he is quite open about his, his confidence. Some we'll people call it arrogance. But I think when you look at a lot of people like that, um, it, it, you know, with Mourinho, it's not quixotic bullshit. This is exactly how he is, you know. And I think uh, with Solskjaer, he has a different way of conveying pr- that confidence. But he, self-confidence is absolutely crucial. But here's the thing, mate, with Solskjaer, and I love him and I desperately want him to be successful more than anything. Um, I get accused by his Ollie Out, um, by the Ollie Out bandits, that uh, I'm, you know, only thinking this way because he does my podcast, which is just absolute nonsense. Just on that topic, man, with him to blow me on Trump. But I've been doing this for more than ten years. Now, to him, I've ten years. I've interviewed absolutely hundreds of current and ex players to suggest that, um, in fact, if anything, is that some of my commentary has cost me relationships because of people who may have had an expectation that I would cover them a bit more charitably than what I did. Um, I can never separate how I feel about Manchester United and how I feel about somebody personally. Uh, I won't go after them personally because I think that goes too far. Like, I mean, whenever Woodward House was attacked, I felt that was way too far. I thought that, you know what, criticising man's views, criticise a lot of things, but going after his house, going after his young family, and you know, that's where it goes too far, or when idiots go after Paul Merson and his addiction problems, his mental health problems, and use it as they stick to beat him with and think that's okay, totally unacceptable. Uh, for me, anyway, you make it up your own mind. But um, <clears throat> with um, with Solskjaer, if United you know, were sitting off the pace in October November, mate, right? what would be the legitimate excuse at this point? What could Solskjaer turn around and say? Well, this was a reasonable expectation this could we were you know this was a very reasonable um a, a, a situation we found ourselves in it was entirely predictable there is no excuse there is nothing sulz can turn around and say which is why we're off the pace. because look we know City's got better all right um you know, let's say they can you know argue you know Guero wasn't fit that much so I would say city are better let's say Liverpool are better let's say Chelsea are better Chelsea weren't the reason why United drew, lost tonight. Liverpool weren't the reason why United lost tonight. Um, City weren't the reason why United lost tonight. Neither of those three teams are the reason why United drew against St. Hampton, right? Um, didn't play well against Wolves, right? You know, had a good result at the weekend, but maybe flattered us in terms of the performance. They, they have nothing to do with that. That has to do with United. So first and foremost, forget about everyone else. There no, would be no excuse for United to be in a situation where they're off the pace by mid-October.
1: Absolutely not. And, and as I say, at any top club, that is the minimum expectation to be in amongst the mix. When you look at the transfer window this summer, Phil, any club in World Football that signs Varane, Ronaldo and Sancho in one window, um, given a couple of years of stability and, and, and with a manager, is expected to challenge. And that is going to be... No different for Ollie. He As I say, he absolutely knows that. And there are no excuses. In, and to be fair to him, he's not the sort of guy who I think would make excuses like Mourinho does towards the end of his tenure at a club. I think he's an honest enough guy to know that, that if things aren't going well, that he has to address them. I also want to just say something if it was to go wrong, Phil, because... This happens all the time and it deeply frustrates me. It happened at Celtic in Scotland last season. Neil Lennon has a disastrous season and fans start shouting and bawling that they should resign and have their own personal pride. That just doesn't happen in football, whether someone's a legend of a football club or whether they're not. If there's a decision to be made on any manager or coach's future or even a player's future, the club makes that decision and that's just the way it is. So if the results were to go badly, I don't want to hear any of that nonsense that, oh, he should have personal pride and go for, for, for his own legacy, etc., he will do everything he can for the time that he's given by Manchester United until the very end. If there's a decision like that to be made, whether that's this year, next year, three years, four years, because it comes to every manager, then at the end of the day, that'll be made by the club. So I've got no doubts he'll give his absolute all. He always has. His man management has been praised. I talked earlier on about Wan-Bissaka and Lingard and Sancho probably needing to be positive beneficiaries of that management for this week and the next couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how United get on. That result, I hope, irks people like Ronaldo, Fernandes, all the players in that dressing room to go out and really put on a show against West Ham. It's going to be hard. West Ham finished um, in the European places that season. They've got their confidence up under David Moyes. They've added well, some good signings from the Czech Republic in particular. and um, That's a market that's worked well for them. I hope United start looking at different markets like that and getting players early um, and, and for, for cheaper prices than always having to go out and buy someone at maybe two or three times the price. <laughs> um than maybe you would want to pay because if you get them early enough, business is there to be done Um, so it will be tough on Sunday but there is no reason, given that squad of players that United can't bounce back and I back them to bounce back because with the red card tonight that's something that Solskjaer in public could cling to and I I can understand why, why it would because all managers do it when there's been a red card but a big performance is needed on Sunday and I think United will deliver it they simply have to
0: West Ham also are in the Europa League. So they have uh, Dinamo Zagreb away on Thursday. So they've got that Thursday Sunday fix. That won't be easy uh, and, and split. So, uh, and you have to say, mate, um, David Moyes has been heavily criticized over the years. Um, what he's done at West Ham is truly unbelievable. What a job. And I, And I'm really happy for him because he seems like a thoroughly decent man. Um, he was shabbily treated by an edict. and um, I'm really, really happy to see him go to West Ham, be successful um, and finally sort of recover his reputation because uh hasn't been great for the last number of years, some of the ridicule that he's faced has been quite ridiculous um, and uh, you know <clears throat> if things were to go wrong for Solskjaer, I know this won't happen but one of the things that I really wish would happen is that it was is it, is it, so, and and I hate to say this, Calum, because United fans are not going to appreciate this. But in much the same way Liverpool fans treated Doug Leash, right? You can be upset about him. You can have pockets of idiots that criticise him. But why can't you show the man respect, right? He's not losing. You know, when Mourinho was feeling at United, he was consumed by his own selfishness. Right? It was all about him, and it was always all about him. The wins were his. The defeats were United. Right, where everybody put his. So is a guy that clearly loves his football club and he will die trying to do exactly what you or I would do in this situation. You may agree, disagree with some of his decisions, but what you can't disagree with is the fact that he puts Manchester United first before everything, and he more than anyone wants to see United be successful. I I would love to see him be successful. You know what he done for this football club as a player is truly Unbelievable, incredible, you know, to be alive during that time, Callum. I was a young man. Um, <clears throat> I was about your age, lucky bastard. Um, but, uh, <laughs> mate, honestly, it's hard to describe how I felt. You, you never losing the game 1 0, no, and you hear here. In comes Ollie Gunnar to Score last 20 minutes, and it just lifted you. You just felt, boom, here we go, we're getting a goal. Chances come of getting a goal. And you never were notorious for scoring goals late. And so many times this wee man will come off the of bench and just batter teams, right? Never complained, consummate professional. You know, never caused a moment's problem for United. Always represented the club impeccably well. A true bona fide legend. Comes back to a football club. Does everything you would want an ambassador to do, never met a manager to do. Yet some arseholes, absolute arseholes, criticise this guy because he's a PE teacher, or because he doesn't tick some trendy boxes that their Nagelsmann ticks that uh, their Pep Guardiola ticks because he didn't have some young academy graduate where at 29 he was managing the, with, with tight trousers and a pair of white tennis shoes, you know, and a pair of white trainers and, uh, you know, he's got the sweater tied over his shoulders and, you know, he's... it It's madness, absolute madness. he He's done a brilliant job. The only question is can he take at that final hurdle? I hope he does.
1: I hope he does as well. I mentioned the word earlier on, Phil, of uh, potential being probably one of the most dangerous words in football. Perception, I think, is as well, because you've summed it up there. So much of what goes on um, in football at times from certain elements uh, of football observers and fans is judged by the cult of personality or or the cult of appearance, as you've rightly said. And and it frustrates me greatly because, for instance, Sean Dyche is one of those guys who he's got the gravelly voice His teams, to be fair, don't necessarily play open, expansive football, but given where they are in the league, it's probably what you'd expect. But at times, because he isn't the most fashionable guy, because he doesn't have a sexy name, because he he looks the way he looks a kind of typically middle-aged British guy, he's kind of ridiculed for that at times, rather than focusing on the here and now and the crux of what he does. And all he falls into that bracket with United, in the sense that you get idiots that will continually mention the Cardiff job, If you were to mention something that a footballer did 10 or 8 years ago in 2021, it's a hard comparison to make. It's like Ronaldo, you wouldn't compare Ronaldo now with the Ronaldo of 2013, 2014. People age, people mature, people improve, sometimes people decline. He's unquestionably improved as a manager, as a coach. You think of the atmosphere that's around the club. Numerous players have talked about wanting to play for him and play under him. The result's overall have been majority positive, he's undoubtedly improved United from where they were under Mourinho third then second, natural progression you think would be first or winning a major honour I back him to do that, he needs time, if results nose dive as you've rightly said Phil and United lose the next five in the bounce then he won't survive and he shouldn't survive and and I, I, I would happily say that but I back him to the hill and the people online that want to just divide everyone with you either in or you're out need to remember the bigger picture you're a Manchester United fan. You support Manchester United. If Manchester United put um, if Manchester United put Krusty the Clown from the Simpsons in the dugout, I would still support Manchester United. At the end of the day, that should be the be-all and end-all. And sometimes, as I say, people get caught up in this cult of personality, cult of appearance and the who's next syndrome. It's the same in the transfer window. It's not football manager. It's not championship manager. Who's going to be the next manager? Who's going to be the next big signing? Support your club. Get behind your club. And, so, and believe that something can happen. The tools are there for Oli. The tools are there for the group of players. Let's believe and let's hope they can achieve because, as I say, the talent is there. And if, you ha- if you're patient in the back of the team, it's only going to help drive them forward rather than try and create divisive narratives. Me- the media um, and certain journalists, newspapers, etc., will create that divisiveness with any club over time when, when results yeah. go down. That's where the fans are needed for the support.
0: Well, yeah, apparently Alex Ferguson's a failed St. Mirren manager, which he is. <laughs> and you see, this is the insanity of this, right? That one point, at one point you feel in your life as if evidence that that's going to mean failure throughout your life. These are people that have never accomplished any level of success in their life because if they had, they'd know that that failure was fundamental to anyone accomplishing success. There is no person born a genius. Everyone has to learn by failure. Even Messi, even Ronaldo, even Guardiola, by the way, Pep Guardiola still has not done more at Manchester City than what Roberto Mancini has or what um, uh, Pellegrini has. So, you know, and I would still say Pep Guardiola is a genius, right? The thing is, if maybe just in, in Manchester United's example, example, so Manchester United, there, there, there's more than 11 world-class players on the pitch right? in, in world football. Manchester United can't sign them all. And if you know anybody that Manchester United can sign... That will mean they will not lose another football game. Let me know. Right? Let me know if there's someone else out there that you know, can hire. That means they won't lose another football game. Because they're not out there. They don't exist. So every time you use a defeat as evidence that someone's not good enough, you can play this game forever. Okay? So you have to lose someone's body of work to determine whether they're good enough or not. And so far, the contrast is in between... Solskjaer and Mourinho, or sorry, Solskjaer and Ferguson. It's Solskjaer and Mourinho, right? It's how different is this job from when you got it to where it is? Clearly, there's been massive progress. Clearly, that is irrefutable. The only thing you can argue is whether it's sufficient progress, but you can't argue whether it's been progress. That That's, that's ridiculous. So clearly, there's been sufficient pro- or, or amazing progress, I, when I was talking to Group about what defines success at United this next season. You know, is it trophies, what? How would you define success? And I think one of the things that he said, and it is absolutely true, is look, one metric of success is that most United fans are enjoying being United fans again, which is absolutely 100% true. You may not listen to this, but but that doesn't speak for most of us. That's fine. Um, but he's not stupid. These are superficial victories. He knows ultimately the history books are not going to turn around and say you're a good manager because people enjoy watching it game. But anyone who's old enough, count to know, will say to you, one of the greatest memories of Tommy Docherty's team, for example, was how entertaining they were, and a lot of fans were upset, of course, that he got sacked, but deservedly so, right? But because it halted progress, and a lot of with a lot of United fans were very, 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 very popular. Tommy Docherty's team was very, very popular, um, so. Entertainment matters. That's why we don't watch football and teletext. All right. Stat sheets are important, but they're not everything. Soulscript brought up a really, really important point about Pogba's assist, assists, which are amazing, by the way. Right. But if someone knocks a 50 yard, 40 yard pass and you knock a one yard pass and someone tops it in, technically I get the assist. Right. But that's not my assist. Right. If I pass the ball to Maradona in Mexico, 86. And he skins the entire England team. Mm-hmm. Technically, I have an assist, but I didn't get an assist. So when people use stat sheets to negate people's skills or contribution, there's so much more to football than a stat sheet. And when we really get into knee-deep and in bullshit, we get, it is where we get to expected goals and expected bullshit, right? That really is knee-deep and waiting in the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever heard in my life, right? The variables... That goes into calculating an expected goal right? is just outrageous. Last thing I want to say, Cal, before I go, um, my other love, as many people know, is boxing. This weekend there was a fight between Oscar Valdez and Robson Conceição. And one of the biggest things that plagues boxing is um, the judging. Uh the judge gave the score one seventeen, one ten 110 to Oscar Valdez, which was not consistent with what was uh, played it in front of our screens after the fight, the referee released a statement, um, which was self-deprecating, which was uh, held himself to account, saying that after having watched the fight back, he felt that his performance wasn't good enough, let down the fighters, let down the sport, let down the commissions, uh, let down the promoters, let down the fans, and he had to apologise to the fighters and what have you, and the uh, governing body. It was a comprehensive statement taking ownership of his own feelings. Now, in football, you can criticise a manager. You can criticise players. You can say whatever you want about them, but you can't criticise a referee. And that, to me, is absurd because they have such a massive influence on the game. I felt and Taylor at the weekend, for example, against Wolves was a disaster. Or, or sorry, not against Wolves, against, um, against uh, Newcastle. Newcastle, sorry, man. The Wolves game was a little bit controversial, right? The Crystal Palace game, I'm um, sorry, the Hunting game, same thing, because Bruno Fernandes, right? So you can argue, both, all, all those games have had refereeing influences on them. Tonight, United should have had a penalty, in my opinion, with Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Um, if a player sent off, should have had a penalty. But again, big decisions, no accountability, no explanation, even if you do it from a control setting, like a statement, do something, but please explain to us, because when fans are left to make interpretations of VAR and what's what's this and what's that, it's never charitable. I would like to see more of that in football.
1: I, I would agree with that. And as you say through a statement, it's in a controlled manner rather than putting somebody up in front of a press yeah. conference where, let's be honest with you, um, especially if it's televised media, would probably only be interested if there was a big decision. I mean, you don't imagine yeah, someone... Yeah, and they're not media
0: trained. I get it. Totally understand yeah.
1: You don't imagine someone Is going to say Go to Mike Dean And oh you've a great no. game today Mike Because let's be honest Fans at home Probably the majority of them Aren't bothered Whereas if mm-hmm. there's a controversial decision They'd like to hear him explain that So sure. I can understand Why they don't want to go In front of the camera But as you say Via a statement Or a, Maybe by releasing A, a report Every referee in every game Releases a short summary yeah. um, Of the report Because I imagine These reports are written Then that would That would increase The transparency And, and it would give us Maybe a, 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 an insight Into these men and women as human beings, because we, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes in the jobs that we do. And if they would talk about that, and if it's in text, then I think people would empathize even more. They'd still be angry. Let's be honest with you. We're football fans. At the end of the day, folks mm-hmm. get to a be in about something. But um, I think that definitely would be a positive for the sport. And and you never know, Phil. It's something that hopefully could come in in the next couple of years because with VAR, with these replays, etc. Um, that are obviously been looked at in games there has to be a greater element of communicating what's going on to the fans in the stadium and even after it because at the end of the day yeah. even if it has to be retrospective fans have got a right to know why decisions were made if they don't understand why and so the coaches, players etc because it could only improve the game in the long term
0: Yeah mate, listen we're going to finish up in a second but the key point that you said there's transparency um, one of the reasons why we talk about this mate um I was listening to an amazing podcast a week or so ago. Uh, one of my f- favourite things to do outside of football is listen to um, different scientific podcasts and podcasts discussing social affairs. I'm um, a bit of a weirdo, especially, especially in love with um, particle physics. I think it's uh, truly fascinating. Anyway, um, a podcast that I listen to quite a bit is uh, uh, by Sam Harris. He's a neuroscientist. Um, controversial to some as he is a prominent atheist and uh, he has had many debates with the uh, theocratic community. Nonetheless, uh, extremely interesting man. Um, Had a wonderful economist on last week um, and she was saying about um, one of the biggest problems is with anything like, for example, affirmative action is transparency, is that nobody's ever told why if if I get turned down for a job, no one tells me why, right? It's far more important for players to know why they did something wrong, to know why, and to and for fans to know why, rather than, I'm not talking to you, this is my decision, and no one ever learns. We can't progress because no one knows what to address, right? So when we've got things with ambiguity where players are... They're, I don't know, they're at risk in terms of uh, injury or lots of different rules and how they're applied in the game have different impacts on how they affect players and what have you. Why can't we find out whenever there's controversial decisions being made, why, what was the thought process behind them? Why were they made, right? Why did they not see the Bruno Fernandes as a free kick? Why did they not see the Matinho one as a free kick, right? That's really important for consistency. Right, so that those rules are properly applied in the future, and it's really important for any process that we want to improve, in because it also, Callum, it will, consistency is important to improvement. It also holds people to account, so that we don't get the same decision. Because I'm doing a tagy tower point labour in this, but if you know you have to explain something, Callum, you think about it. Right, a lot more before you commit it. So, if a referee is going, I'm going to give this as a free kick, even though an identical situation last week I didn't give, but I'm going to have to explain it. Um, I think that is something that will will play on their mind. Just to bring up this last, to finish this last point about the boxing referee, he said he was influenced heavily by the crowd. Okay, so again, it illustrates their humanity. And one of the things that was interesting is when he owned these mistakes, the general attitude of everyone in the sport, in the boxing community was totally accept that. That's fine, we're all humans who make mistakes. But the arrogance of referees to feel that they don't have to explain anything, to think that transparency wouldn't improve the process, which it clearly would, and transparency wouldn't bring about consistency, which it clearly would, to me is a bit ridiculous.
1: I agree. And as I say, I think it's something that, that definitely could come into place. As I say, these reports from an observer the referee themselves are written after the game. They might need to redact certain elements if there's maybe a technical thing they want the referee to improve on. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't see why a statement can't be put out there. Um, And it can be accessed for all games on the referee PGMOL or UEFA website where... Um, you know what it's like fans can go on and look at it news sources can go on and and, and use it and quote it and and I I think you could solve a lot of issues so as I say I I would be absolutely for that and more transparency in any sport the better um, because at the end of the day you want to as a fan or an observer or a journalist um, of of, of a sport or any real organisation the more transparency and understanding you can have as a human being the better
0: Mate, uh, just one last thing I want to say before I go. Before I go, um, do you have anything else you want to want to add, mate? Anything else before we leave?
1: No, as I say, as I said last week and every week. Thank you to everyone for obviously listening to the show, and um, thank you to yourself. I always love working with you. And unfortunately, the result tonight wasn't what we wanted. But it's yeah. important. to Stay positive, back the team, and bring on Sunday.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I want to echo those sentiments, folks. Uh, I say this uh, every week, and my God, do I mean it. Every single one of you, I am so grateful for. Every follower, every like, every retweet, every subscriber, every comment, good, bad, or indifferent. Anyone's free, disagree with anything they say, as long as it's done respectfully, which the vast majority of you do, are absolutely wonderful. Um, I don't take a single follower for granted. Honestly, I, I'm Genuinely blown away. I think of 55,000 followers, which to me is just insanity that 55,000 people would consider me worthy to follow. I am grateful for every single one of you. um Just a couple of little, uh, things I want to clean up here, folks. Um, <clears throat> I want to say an enormous thank you. This is very emotional for me to get through. I want to say an enormous thank you to each and every one of you for your lovely comments to me this weekend. Um, which, of course, was the birthday of my uh, deceased fiancée wife-to-be, Stephanie. Um, I think it's obvious from those who read my social media posts that this is something that is still uh, heavily impacts me as a human being. Um, and um, not everyone's comfortable with it. Some people don't like it. Some people don't like public grievance. Some people think it's done for attention. Some people think... Um, it's done for all the wrong reasons. And I understand that. You know, maybe it's a bit voyeuristic in some sense, but I look at it and I think to myself, why do I do it? I ask myself the same questions. Is it for attention? And I suppose maybe some of it would be for attention a bit, yes. Um, Not in a sense that uh, I'm desperate to have people's empathy, but because, and don't get me wrong, I'm extremely grateful for your empathy, but because... Part of me doesn't want her to be forgotten. Part of me doesn't want her to drift away for to be gone into people's consciousness in some weird way for me, having the acknowledgement of others, having people see her face who never knew her, uh, keeps her real to me, keeps her memory a very real one alive for me. It's someone that I absolutely idolized, I adored. It's someone who, when I discovered this incident, absolutely decimated me, destroyed me from inside out. It, it um, turned me into a drug addict. It morally bankrupted me. I, I, I can't even begin to describe excruciating pain that I experienced, experienced not as often today, thank God. But this is something that I didn't have the emotional or educational basis to really deal with it effectively, it didn't have the support network around me to do it. And I dealt with it woefully. And uh, I am a flawed human being and I've said this many times. I'm not someone to be admired or not someone to be to be used as an example. I'm, I'm a deeply flawed human being, um, but I'm open with my problems. And the support from all of you means so, so much to me. I'm, I can't tell you, sometimes I, I don't sleep at night and I'll sit there at two, three, four in the morning by myself, sometimes in tears. Reading at the comments of complete strangers. And I, I can't tell you how much it means to me. And, and if you've direct messaged me, folks, my sincere apologies. I am terrible at getting back to people with direct messages. My sincere, sincere apologies. Um, it's the worst way to get a hold of me. But um, trust me when I say this, your support means absolutely everything to me. Um, and lastly, folks, I meant to launch these on Friday. I will launch them probably sometime this week. We've got different colored shirts available. Um, 100% of the proceeds go towards mental health. Uh, I don't get a penny. I post all this. They're available in different colors um, so that um, hopefully we find a color scheme that's uh, that's suitable to you. And if you can find a few quid, folks, it's always appreciated. It means the world to us. It goes towards vital resources, vital services. So thank you all so much. I, you all mean the world to me. Callum, thank you for everything, mate, your first class. And uh, to all of you out there, I hope you're well. I hope life is treating you well. I hope you and your family are well. I hope wherever you are here in this, that life is treating you good and that you are getting up every day with a smile in your face. If you're not, change your life, folks, because it's not worth it. It is not worth it. Don't postpone being happy for anything or anyone and don't let anyone turn out your light. you are beautiful beyond measure and you mean the absolute fucking world to me. Callum, I'll leave it there, mate.
1: All the best. Take care. Look forward to the next one.
0: See you, guys, folks. Bye.